we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and this is the We Are More season. And why do we call it that? Well, to be honest, we've created the largest event celebrating gender equality in the in Europe, which is the Northern Power Women Awards, which we host every March. But for me, it's never about one night. And I know it's easy to say that, but it never is. The process we're in at the moment is going through every single one of the 1500 nominations, falling in love with all of the people that have got these amazing stories, high-fiving their achievements and wanting to go around and give them a hug. That's generally my husband. He loves that as we, we read them. And that's and, and it's, it's genuine. We love these stories. That's why these awards were created. And, you know, after the judging is completed and the shortlists are announced and we have the ceremony, we, we wanted to always take the opportunity to kind of keep the conversation going. These amazing winners and commended and partners of, of, what, of the awards are always got brilliant stories. And I always think if we can get the Northern Power Women community behind them and listening and finding out more, then we should keep that community building and growing and keeping the conversation. And this is a community of Northern Power Women that is filled with, filled with the spirit of paying it forward and making a difference. And hence, this is my long-winded description as why we called it the We Are More, because it is beyond one night. And someone who's joining me uh, to talk on this week's podcast is absolutely the wonderful uh, Colette Devlin-Smith, who is a commended winner in this year's awards. Welcome, Colette. Hello, hi. <laughs> and something I've just found out, uh, Colette is the chief exec of Edge Northeast. But what I hadn't realised is something we had in common as we were chatting in the in the preamble was that we both served in the Royal Navy and Colette was a medic for 10 years in the Navy and we both talked very nostalgically about going back. So we'll have to do that on a run ashore uh, in, the, in the future, I think, Colette. But Colette left the Royal Navy and went to university and, and spent the next few years working in children's homes, worked for Action for Children, the Children's Society, and then went on to take on the role of Northeast Child Sexual Exploitation Prevention Officer, um, which was like just such a phenomenal role that from this role and experiencing um, everything that sat around this role, took the chance in Colette's world to set up what is now Edge Northeast, uh, which we'll talk about shortly. In the last few years, Colette has sprung up as an instrumental figure, driving a new approach to how the region prevents young people from being exploited and coerced into the evils of county lines. Colette, welcome and congratulations on everything that you've you've achieved and what you are driving and congratulations on winning the commended award this year. Thank you. Made me blush a little bit there with everything you were saying. <laughs> Well, I tried to coerce a bio out of you, and and and, and actually, I I think now we're just going to get it on the chat. That's how we get. It's how we get the real story. But you've been chief exec of Edge since March 2019, and as I said in in, in the intro, you know, you took a chance. Tell me why you set it up, and tell tell me about the organisation. 
so when I was working as a child sexual exploitation prevention officer, which is, I'm so glad I don't have to say that title every day, they started, there was a lot of talk started happening around talking about this, um, what they were calling like a new trend of county lines. And actually, we I was going home at night time speaking to my husband about it. And there was elements that we realised that this wasn't a new trend. This was kind of myself or him had experienced in our childhoods growing up. And we kind of decided like what, what did we need? What did we need back then that would have helped us to prevent it, kind of the trauma and where our lives kind of took a path from there? Um, and we thought that we came down to a point of we just thought we just needed somebody to recognise it and somebody to speak to that wasn't a social worker or a police officer or anything like that. And we just so we decided to take that chance and the, the, I suppose the quote be who we needed when we were younger. And we started off with a very, very small pot of money, very small cohort of young people. Thought we'd only do it for maybe six months. My husband was a roofer at the time and just thought, I'll just take a little break for six months. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just try it and see how it goes and then find a job after it, a proper job <laughs> was the word. And, um, and it developed from there. Wow. So can you actually explain for those people who are listening that don't fully understand? They've heard the, they've heard the phrase, they've heard, they've heard people talk about it, but what, County lines are, what are they and, and why do they pose such a threat? So county lines is where somebody will abuse their position of, of power over young people or vulnerable adults into getting them to deal drugs for them, technically. Now, county lines doesn't have to be how you see it on the news of the movement of drugs going from London up into kind of Edinburgh and Glasgow and places like that. County lines can be within your local area. If it's got the four elements of an organised crime, network or mentality around it the movement of drugs the exploitation of um, children or vulnerable adults and a deal line a mobile phone deal line then it's a county line and that can be in your local area it can be regionally or it can be nationally where they're moving around to and and people listening or or you, you know you hear people talking they think this doesn't happen where I live what would you say to that we hear that all. It was a barrier we came across when we first started, actually, where it was like, no, it doesn't happen. It only happens in London and Birmingham and Liverpool and Manchester. It, it doesn't. It happens. We have, I, won't, I won't name the very small town in Yorkshire, but I've got real problems with county lines. And it's a place where it's nice. People go for holidays and things. And it's like, you know, it's always been a, a quite a nice, for years and years, holiday town. Um, and even here in the northeast, it. When we first started, we were said we don't have county lines, we don't have that problem. It kind of misses the northeast. We do, we do have county lines, and it, it at first it wasn't on the same scale as the bigger cities in the UK. However, we are now seeing that it is rising. It is everywhere. It doesn't have to be going. We, we have county lines going nationally, um, and kids travelling all over the country. But we also have some very localised county lines as well. I think people are quite naive to think that they don't have it in their area. It's a it's a it's a growing trend. It's a it's a lucrative business for organised crime, and it's quite easy money for them as well, actually. So um, if they see an area that hasn't hasn't got a county line, then they're going to go and take over it because they think, well, that's a, that's a lucrative area for us. That's a new beginning. It's kind of like franchising. Of, of businesses the way you talk about it and describe it so the, the organizers have got that entrepreneurially approach to go if it's not happening then we're going to do it but as as members of the public what can we do to help our kids 
being exploited in these ways? Watch as much awareness as you can. We have on our website, we have some awareness films. Um, We're currently doing a piece with the BBC News, which will be coming out later in the year around awareness. There's lots of awareness, not just us, there's Children's Society, everybody, um, Crime Stoppers have got loads of awareness films out there to kind of raise raise your awareness on what to look out for, the signs. Speak to children's schools as well, see kind of what's happening in the schools around the county lines, schools that are putting on shows for parents or um, there's quite a lot of emails get sent out over school school platforms um, ask for the awareness raising be aware of your ch- children's behaviours peer groups any kind of changes in behaviour um, and any absolutely any concerns is re- reach out um, to either your education departments social care police as well don't be scared of them <laughs> they're not there to lock your child up they're there to protect them um, reach out and actually ask for the help around it speak with your child it is difficult when they're in this world it's very very secretive world and um, they're not kind of going to come out and tell you that this is what they're involved in but it's just about having having that real kind of third eye on them a little bit as well um and reaching reaching out and asking for, for advice when you need it and how do you personally cope with the traumatic stories and situations that you hear about I have a very, very, very good team around me. My team are absolutely fantastic and I couldn't do anything without them. I really couldn't. We all support each other. Um, I have a very good friendship group as well who support me. I have two dogs who are just walk and walk and walk when I get a little bit stressed on the beach. And it's... It's hard. It's hard to shut off. It is hard to shut off, especially particularly if you've got missing a missing kid and you know that they're away on a county line and you're going home at night and you know you're feeding your own children and you're doing all these nice things. It's really hard to shut off. But things I do, I do a lot of um, alternative kind of holistic <laughs> things like a lot of yoga and cold, cold water therapy. And honestly, that keeps me sane. Otherwise, I wouldn't. I, I, I would probably hide in my bed and not let my children out the house ever, ever, ever. Um, if I didn't kind of do all the self care and self love that you need to do as well. And when you and your husband had this idea to set up Edge back in 2019, we we spoke with uh, another wonderful northeasterner a couple of weeks ago, uh, Stefa Ducey, who's the chief executive of St Oswald's Hospital Hospice sorry and she talked about that imposter syndrome that and that 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 sits on her shoulder and how she has to put a muzzle on it when it when she doesn't want it you know she's some of the things that are being said to almost kind of stop her what were the things the the real things that you had to overcome when you went you know what we're going to we're going to set this up because we know we're going to solve a problem I absolutely identify with the imposter syndrome I still feel like that every day and when I get feedback and things I'm like are they talking about me (laughs) like I'm not quite yeah you still have that so I absolutely relate to that about the imposter syndrome um we we had the barriers of people we we do it from lived experience as well um which is a a term I have kind of a love and hate relationship with but we we had to overcome not just the barriers of trying to say what was happening in the area but also around us having the lived experience and not being seen as kind of maybe people who have got you know, not not myself personally but part of the team maybe criminal records and things like that because they've been a victim of, of exploitation we had barriers of that to overcome thankfully we had some really good people that believed in us across the, across the statutory services in the area and fully supported and actually recognized the benefits of having lived experience and how it can be it can be used it's relatable to young people 
um, if they if they feel that you've had similar experiences to them and you can empathise with them and things like that, you've got an inroad straight away. Tell me about some of the success stories because you don't always hear that. You hear about what is really bad and you know what is awful and what, like you say, would want to keep your kids locked up forever. I've got to say, all the young people we work with, so we work with ages 14 to 25. So when I call young people, I do mean up to 25. And even the ones that, you know, are giving me nightmares and giving me sleepless nights, they are absolutely wonderful young people as well everyone's got a story everyone's got something about them they're amazing so that keeps me going as well is that you can see the potential in them you really can um and probably as well why they're picked up so much because they've got a lot of potential they've got a lot of charisma but we've had some really really good success stories so we've had in particular two two young males that we worked with who were right up there on the police's kind of top 10 of who they were watching constantly they were being arrested they spent some time in prison as well they've been stabbed both of them have been stabbed on numerous occasions real heavy in in the world of county lines We've worked, we worked with them for about two years, about two years when we really started to see the difference. And now neither of them young, young men are involved at all with the police. They've both got jobs. They've both got beautiful girlfriends. They've both got, help, they've both got their own places. They are just living their absolute best life at the moment, enjoying it, not watching over their shoulders all the time, not getting arrested, not getting stopped and searched. They are just living normal putting speech quotation marks lives and um, they've been on holidays and when I when you see that and they actually they help me develop my training packages they help me you know with all kind of plans for the for the organization and things like that when you see that and you say and we have got other success stories but they're probably our two biggest ones and um, the ones that we kind of came into in the very early days of edge and have came out the other side now I've been being with pride for them um, and that's when I think you know when we first get that kid through the door and they're probably at rock bottom. And then I look at kind of, that's what we thought about. People have wiped them off as a lost cause and things like this. Actually, the, nobody's a lost cause. I was called a lost cause. And I don't. I think I've done all right for being a lost cause. Um, is that they're not? Because then I look at them too. And I think that's where we can get them to. We can get them to that point. And it's exactly as you started saying, which is be who we needed at the start or be who we needed when I was younger. It's it's living and breathing those those values and, and that quotation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just somebody, you know, you've got to go on a roller coaster with them. But as long as you still pick up that phone every time and you still go and see them and you still keep plowing away and you still turn up at custody every time they're arrested or you, you're still pick, you know, picking them up off a county line and... And kind of, you know, doing a little bit of a lecture and things. We call them reachable moments. Um, so probably when they're at the lowest point is the point where you can probably reach them the most. And you just keep plowing away and plowing away and don't give up on them. Like, because lots of places give up on them. Don't give up on them. You know, you might not do any, you might not get any kind of, you might not get them into education or employment for a long time, but you're still turning up every week. And that really matters because sometimes you're the only person in their life doing that. And, and we'll put details in the show notes as well as how people can get involved or support or, or come forward and, and, and look for advice. So um, thank you so much for sharing that, Colette. But tell me, you were you were commended this year at the Northern Power Women Awards. What did that mean to you? Because you had you had the regular Northeast Massive that evening, didn't we? You know, we had, we had a good Northeast representation. So we, we were there as well with um, some good friends of ours, which is Samantha's Legacy, which is um, Alison Madgen, who also won um, the Person of Purpose Award. Who we work with really, really closely. So we wear like the Northeast massive, probably the loudest table and things as well. But it was just, I had a massive imposter syndrome when I was there as well, by the way. I'm going to say, I was like, there was this room full of just amazing people. I was reading the books, I was listening to their stories, and I just thought, wow, 
wow. Um, I can't actually remember going up for my award because I was in such a daze about it. I was like, I just knew my feet were moving <laughs> and I was going up. But it was, it was, it was actually, you know, I still get quite emotional when I think about it actually to just be recognised for what we've done. Not just me, but as a team, as a whole team. So get a bit emotional, sorry. <laughs> But yeah. Oh no, and you know what? It's this is this is why we do what we do because the stories that come out will resonate with other people. The stories that come out will actually give that credit to amazing, awesome role models like yourself. Role models come in all shape, sizes, regions, experiences. And I think the more that we can share that. So how will this help you amplify the work that you're doing in your message? Well, the key thing is that we always pop it into funding <laughs> um, and we, we've used that and kind of, we, you know, when we're kind of meeting with, um, as I said, we're doing some pieces with the BBC and things at the moment, it's always quite, it always kind of helps to be able to say this is what we were recognised for. I also like to have, you know, we have the, the award on display in my office and things and I'm quite happy to talk to anybody about it who comes through the door. My nomination award um, words are on the wall and things like that as well but it is it, it just helps promote kind of make people really I think it does make people sit up and listen a little bit more when you've won an award like that. I love that and I love the idea I've just written it down there nomination award put your nomi- put the words that someone's written about you or even the words that you have to respond to put them into a frame as, because I think it's good to really highlight and you know the really great work that you've done thank you so much like I say we'll put the information um about edge and county lines into the to the podcast as well um and just phenomenal to hear the work that you're doing and driving and and again just because you took a chance to set this up to pay it forward and do good for someone else so colette thank you so much for joining me on this week's podcast thank you and best of luck thank you thanks very much good luck to everybody for this year oh and thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast if you've got any feedback or thoughts or reviews please do leave us a review and join us in the conversation on twitter at north power women or at northern power women on all our other socials join us next monday when i'll be joined by another wonderful role model from the northern power women community i'm simone roche and you've been listening to a northern power women podcast at what goes on media production oh,